Thanks, guys. Hey, just so you guys know, uh, this team rocks. Uh, we love them. Um, and there are so many other of you students out there that are just thank you for your service. Thank you for the people that run slides and sound for the hospitality team. Um, just so you guys know, we also have a prayer team. And every night after the sermon, they are back there to pray with all of you guys. We have a group of people that run our after party. Um, so just thank you for everybody who loves um, us as a staff so well to serve us and loves the rest of you guys. Thanks. Um, so my name's Kirsten, and um, I'm really glad that all of you have made it out of Halloween and the candy high or whatever uh, here tonight. But um, if you haven't been with us the past couple weeks, we are in a sermon series where we are talking about discipleship and more specifically what it looks like to actually follow Jesus, our teacher, with all areas of our life that we're not just following him in our Devo times or at church, but that all areas of life we can actually learn from Jesus. He can teach us in all areas. And so last week we talked about emotions, and this week um, it's a topic I like, but you guys, it's, it's heavy. I know you guys are tired, and so it's going to be like a lot to think about. So just get ready because, you know, we're going to talk about play. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but... Um, I'll be honest with you, when Jason first gave me this topic, I kind of was annoyed, and I was like, ah, oh, he's just typecasting me, giving me play. Um, and so actually, I had a whole other sermon on a whole other topic for different reasons, and then I was like, here's some get over it. Like, you love play. And I wholeheartedly believe that God created play, and he created us, and he loves it when we play. So I'm excited tonight to talk to all of you about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our play and what he has to tell us and show us and teach us as we play. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of this group. It's called Improv Everywhere, and they are based out of New York City. And this guy, Charlie Todd, one day he was like living in New York, and he was like, you know what? Subways are kind of boring. So him and his friends were like, all right, we got an idea. So six of them decided to get on the exact same subway, but just at different stops. And so they're going to get on the subway, and they're dressed in like normal New York winter attire, you know, their jackets, their beanies, their gloves. Except for the one thing they were missing were pants. So one by one, these guys get onto the subway just in their boxers. Um, and this prank was a hit. The people that were on the subway thought it was hilarious. Ten years later, they were continuing to do this tradition. After 10 years, they had 3,500 people riding the subway in just their underwear. This prank actually created improv everywhere, and he was like, we've got to continue to do this. And so they became this group whose mission was to delight and surprise random strangers with pranks and missions. And so they would do this with everything from like one time, there's like 40 of them and they all wore like blue polos and khaki pants and went into a Best Buy and just stood around. 
Um, that was pretty good. Um, or they will go to like little league baseball games and pretend like it's a major league baseball game and these kids will be so excited. And so they do all these pranks, but Charlie gets a lot of just critiques about what they do. And the most common one that he gets is, gosh, these people just have too much time on their hands. And he responds to these people by saying, no, these people have just as much leisure time as any other New Yorker. But some people decide to choose to play by going and watching a football game. He's like, these people just choose to play by doing unusual things. And he says that, you know, as kids, like, nobody teaches us how to play. But it's accepted that we do play. And that there's no point to it just to play. He said that's the point of improv everywhere, that there is no point. That as long as it's fun and funny and creating a positive experience for everyone else, then it's good. So what he's sharing with all of us through this improv everywhere is that play can look different for different people and that's a good thing. So to get us in the spirit of play, I actually want to show you one of my favorite pranks that they do. So have fun. Would you be able to get my torch to my partner around the corner? I'm trying to get to the next pass off. Would any of you want to help me? Yeah? yeah. Just, just right around the corner. Just run around the corner? Yeah, just thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, you're an American hero. Thank you. <laughs> Look at all these Americans who came to support you today. Can you tell us just what you're feeling right now? Uh, confused, I guess. You're feeling confused. Thank you so much, Jason. Congratulations. Thank you. I just have to pass it off. Would you be able to pass it off? Um, sure. Okay. Yeah. You just uh, here. Hold on, really tight. Would you guys be able to help me get it there? Yeah. Where is it? Yeah. Okay. Would you guys wanna get this around the corner? Would you? Sir, hi there. How, what's your name? Oh, my name is Henry. Henry, yeah. Yeah. you just completed the torch run. How do you feel, Henry? Great. Thank you, Henry. You're a great American. Thank you. I'm gonna take a nap. It seems like you've earned it, Emil. 
Thank you so much. Excellent work today. Thank you. Thank you. Camille, ladies and gentlemen. We had an entire subway car filled with strangers. All right, so they're great. You really should check them out on YouTube when you're feeling a little low or anytime. Um, but, but something that I just think that they communicate so beautifully is kind of my heart for what I want to communicate to you guys tonight. And this is the why we play. So in even this video, you see that the individual that is like part of the crowd and like cheering them on, like they are all having a blast. They are refreshed and joyful themselves as they're playing. Then you see like the bystanders or like the participants, like the guys that are running, you know, and they're like having these like new shared experiences with each other and bonding together. And then this is one of the other part of Improv Everywhere's like goals is that they would create a story that somebody could see what was happening and be like, oh my gosh, guess what happened today? Like I carried a torch and passed it off. And that that story would then be told to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. That this larger community was now changed. So Improv Everywhere, their playfulness is very contagious. That what started with this guy who's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this thing, then spread to these participants, and then spread to the bystanders and then the people telling the stories and hearing the stories. This playfulness catches on like wildfire. So what if us as disciples of Jesus can play with such a contagion as they do? What if us with this great news of Jesus can cause such a scene as that. That would catch on. But if we're going to all cause a scene, we've got to play. So, what is play? Uh, this, like, British scholar um, defined play as play is work without a set task. And that play is work without profit, but simply for pure delight. The like, dictionary definition of play is an activity that is done for entertainment, for recreation, for fun. That the purpose of play is play. For all of us, we know that play is attractive and it's something that we're like, we all want to do. It's inside of us. Which makes sense because if when we were kids and it was just natural for us to play, nobody taught it to us, of course play is a part of us as a human that is just ingrained in who we are by our creator. But when we get older, we begin to abandon play. We think, well... I don't, you know, I'm probably getting too old to play, so, you know, probably when I graduate college, I'm done playing, so I might just get it all out now. Maybe you feel guilty when you play. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm only supposed to, like, do these things, and I'm not supposed to play. Probably my guess is for most of you, you guys have become too busy to play. But... What if I were to tell you that you playing 
is showing off and participating in God's kingdom. And that God desires for you, for us to play together. Would that make you want to play more? Would you be more intentional with your play? Would you be more aware that God is with you as you play? Would you want to learn while you are playing? So there's these stories of Jesus that happen in all of the synoptic gospels. The story of Jesus and these children coming to him, and they're all pretty similar, and so we're just picking one. We're going to pick the one from Mark 10 tonight to look at. Um, Ashley, would you put that up there for me? And they, the people, were bringing children to him, Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. You can, we can go from there. Um, okay, so when you picture these kids coming to Jesus. What, what is this picture of Jesus and the kids? Like, do you have the kind of storybook Bible picture of Jesus sitting there and the kids nicely staring at him? Like, I have a picture right here. You want to put that up? Is this your picture? Look at, look at those kids. Yeah, for me, kids don't just do that at all. And I'm not a teacher or Jesus. But for me, when kids are around... They're not sitting there playing, especially when there's lots of kids. They're playing together. And if Jesus is touching them and blessing them, he's playing with them. And kids have a really great sense of, like, if somebody's, like, stiff and not wanting to play, then they're kind of like, okay, I'm not going to hang out with you. But when you get down on the ground with them, you're like, come on, guys, let's play. They are running up to you, and they're playing around with you. So that's my picture of Jesus. Getting down on the ground. He even came down from heaven to live with us, so of course he's going to get down on the ground and play with these kids. This is the picture that I have of Jesus. This is what Jesus' blessing kids look like to me. Okay, that's one of like, the caretakers that we work with in Ecuador, and these are the kids. They're playing with her, but this, this is blessing. So, my guess that Jesus played. He played with these kids. And so then the, the scripture moves on in Mark, and he says the kids came to him and he blessed them, but then he also said that we must be like these children to receive the kingdom of heaven. So for us, we are disciples of Jesus, and we are learning from him, and he's saying, hey, y'all, you need to learn from these kids. And there's obviously a lot we can actually learn from, but tonight we're, we're going to look at them and see how they play. So as we look at our passage in Zechariah, we're actually going to remember that, okay, Jesus said, be like these children. Learn from them if you would like to receive the kingdom. So before we actually go through our passage in Zechariah, I am going to pray with you all right now. Um, Father God, Thank you that, uh, that you like us, goodness. 
Thank you that you desire good things for us and that you want to teach us even in things like play. Thanks for giving us this opportunity. I pray that my, um, my words are, are just clear about your truths and your scripture. Praise in your name, amen. Okay, so we're going to look at a passage in Zechariah, and just to kind of update you, um, Zechariah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and he writes this book, and um, the guess is that this book was written about 20 years after Israel has been released from exile to Babylon. So they've come back home, and they are... Back in Israel, but their temple has not been finished being rebuilt. Their city is not rebuilt. They don't really have much credit as a city anywhere. So these people are like just downcast. They really are in a place where they're like, what's the point of having this faith? What's the point of being obedient? God doesn't seem near, so we're going to kind of do our own thing. And Zechariah's talking and prophesying into this place. So he receives this word from the Lord that is one of hope for the kingdom to come. So it's from Zechariah 8. Um, would you put that one up there for me? Um, and the word of the Lord of hosts came saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion. With great jealousy, I am jealous for her with great wrath. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion. And I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, and the mountains of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, It is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of these people in those days. Should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts. I'm going to read those, that verse 4 and 5 one more time. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem with staffs in hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. So when this scripture is talking about Zion, just so you guys know, not only is it re referencing Jerusalem, the city of God, but it's also referencing God's like spiritual kingdom. So this picture is a picture of what God's kingdom looks like, of what this kingdom to come. And he describes his kingdom as boys and girls playing together in the street. So, for us as disciples, we're told to participate in the kingdom. Participate and play. And for us as disciples, we have been given this prayer by Jesus. My Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth earth as it is in heaven. But we as his disciples are told to pray his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. To pray for play. 
and to participate in his kingdom come on earth as in heaven as disciples we are to participate in playing here on earth and as disciples we are to ask the question how do we play and as disciples we are to ask and discover why would he have us playing why would this be a picture of his kingdom come here on earth and the fun thing about play there's lots of fun things one of the fun things um, is that not only when we are his disciples with play and we're like okay god teach me how to play teach me how to do this he's also saying hey when you play i'm actually going to transform you as you play i'm going to use that to make you more into my disciples to transform you to transform your relationships your community to transform the church at large because play transforms ourselves you've probably heard if you've been in the church for a while a lot of times like deny yourself take up your cross follow me Jesus says we learn that dying to ourself we do this so that Jesus may live in and through us. So what if I were to tell you that one way we can die to self is through play? Because one way we can practice Sabbath is through play. And when we practice Sabbath, we are practicing denying ourselves Stopping working, showing ourselves and others that we are not in control of this world. Trusting God, denying ourselves. This Episcopal pastor and writer says this beautifully about play and Sabbath. Play exists for its own sake. Play is for the moment, it's not hurried, even when the pace is fast and timing seems important. When we play, we also celebrate holy uselessness. Like a calf frolicking in the meadow, we need no pretense or excuses. When we play, we experience Sabbath. It slows us down. It refreshes and renews our spirit. When we play, we are able to be more engaged in the moment. We are not hurried by any means, simply engaged. And guess what, disciples? We are commanded to take Sabbath. So when we play in our Sabbath, we actually do become more engaged in each moment. So the last time I, I babysat, I was babysitting for this little boy, and so we decided to play this game. And the game was called going to soccer practice. So. Here's the game. You take the soccer ball, you put it in my trunk, then, you know, he gets in the front seat of the car, I get in the passenger seat of the car, and we drive to soccer practice. Then we get out of the car, we open the trunk, we take the soccer ball, we kick it one time, we take the soccer ball, we put the soccer ball back in the trunk, close the trunk, get in the car, drive home, take the soccer ball out. Okay, oh, I was like, that was a fun game. What do you want to do next? What do you think his suggestion was do it again yes because every kid wants to play a game over and over and over and over again so sure enough 
We did this game until I thought my trunk was going to break, and I was like, we got to stop now, buddy. But play puts you in the moment. You become so in awe and wonder of exactly what you're doing that, that everything else doesn't seem to matter because you are about what you are doing right then and there. And so what if we were to be able to just like have this spirit of play all the time? While we're at work, while we're in class. That maybe this spirit of play, this ability to focus us in the right now, could make the mundane filled with wonder and awe. That if you sit in the same classroom at school for four hours, what if you were like, oh, this is cool? Because you're right there in it. And when you are so focused on the now and this playful spirit, guess what isn't around? Worry? Anxiety? Because that has nothing to do with right now. And when you are engaged in this playful spirit and looking at what is happening right here around you, you get to experience this God that in this passage in Zechariah said that he is coming to dwell with you here and now in this kingdom. And you see what he is up to right then. By the way, ladies, if you are interested in more, knowing more about this idea of now, that's actually what we're going to talk about in the women's retreat. So love for you to come and talk about that. But this playful mentality lets us be in that moment. Because when you're playing tag... All you're thinking about is getting that person and tagging them. And when you are playing catchphrase, you know, you're just thinking about, okay, how do I describe this word, or what did he say, or all that. You're not thinking about, like, your future. Or when you're, like, jumping on a trampoline with some kids, you're not worried about who invited who to whatever party. You are in it right then. It's why lots of people play games on road trips. Because when you're playing a game, goodness, that trip goes by so much faster, right? So, play puts you in the now, but play also is not just something you do, but it's a way that you learn. So kids are said to learn best when they play. That's why we have Play-Doh and sandboxes and all of that kind of stuff. And actually, when kids don't play, it says that they're just stunted developmentally, physically, emotionally, maybe even spiritually. So what if, for us, as we are looking at kids, following their example, what if there's some truths about God that maybe we can best learn, not by sitting, not by reading, but through play? And the other thing that happens as we learn from play is our creativity is stimulated. And a lot of, you'll see like a lot of startup companies being all about this idea, or like Google, where they recognize that creativity comes from play. And so they will put ping pong tables in their offices. They'll have like these hip looking offices. They'll implement recess for their employees so that their employees can come back from a playful time and be more creative. What if when you guys play, that you see play as recreation, as recreation, 
time of Sabbath where you are being refreshed and renewed? And what if you looked at play as a place that brought you into the right now that you can be aware of God with you in the midst of that play? And that during your play, this creativity in you would be accessed because you would realize that the creator, God, gave that to you. Creativity, not creativity, playfulness, play also transforms communities and relationships. So in that Zechariah passage, what we read is we don't just read this one kid playing in the streets. This is a picture of God's kingdom. No. Boys and girls playing in these streets together. This picture of God's kingdom looks like unity. It looks like shared experiences. It looks like playing together. It is very hard to be a disciple of Jesus when we are not in community. And play is vital to any community belonging and growth. A big part of my job, what I do kind of day in and day out, is plan events and help other people plan kind of fun events. And as I'm planning some of these events, sometimes I get some funny feedback, uh, especially at grocery stores when I have carts filled with, you know, root beer. Um, but people ask, like, why, why are you spending all this money on root beer? Why are you having animals come into the hub? Why do you care so much about, like, a photo booth at all of these events? Like, is it, aren't you working for a ministry? Shouldn't you, like, you know, be reading the Bible and just praying? I'm like, yes, we should be reading the Bible and praying a lot. But we also should be playing together and building community. Because community is part of our discipleship. In staff meeting today, we were reading Acts 2, and it talks about the initial church and that they were not just going to the temple together and singing songs together and breaking bread together, but they were fellowshipping. And then we look at Jesus and how he does discipleship. And he doesn't just disciple one person, but he has a community of people who are belonging to one another. So when we play, it jump starts these communities. It's why every week we invite you guys downstairs to our after house. Because we don't believe that discipleship just ends up here. Okay, you guys listen to a sermon, you sang songs, you pray, done. No, your journey continues as you build relationships with people because that is the context of discipleship. It is through play that a lot of those relationships can begin to happen and be transformed. It's why Improv Everywhere continued because they recognized the shared experiences that people were having together. Because when we play together, we're bonded together we begin to trust one another. So those of you in biology classes, what animal are we related to 98.7% DNA-wise? Chimps. Yes, good work, guys. Learning. Um, so we are DNA-wise related to these chimpanzees. And what chimps are known for, unfortunately, is their aggression. They murder each other. 
They abuse their women. They kick people out of people. They kick chimps out of their chimp colonies. And unfortunately, these actions don't make it too hard to see the connections between us and them. However, there is one other primate that we are related to that closely DNA-wise, and it is the bonobo ape, and they're awesome. Uh, they, they are not known for their aggression. They, in fact, are one of the only animals that don't kill each other, but they are known for their play. And they play together for their entire lives. And that you watch as they play, what is developed from them is empathy and the ability to share. And so we have these abilities as humans, empathy, sharing, play. So I wonder if play is actually the thing that determines if we will share or fight. To give you a picture of these bonobos, you get to watch them. To see that playful side in action, Isabel and I are joining the infants for their daily bout of rough and tumble. Play is a vital building block of bonobo relationships. It's so important that they continue to play as adults, and that's unusual in the animal kingdom. But bonobos do something even more surprising. To demonstrate that, we found ourselves a little volunteer. And in the name of science, we're going to tickle him. Scientists have only recently discovered that laughter is not unique to humans. I can't help laughing. Just like us, for bonobos, laughter is a form of communication. And what laughter is doing, it's a signal that tells other individuals, I want to continue playing with you. I want to continue interacting with you. In humans, for example, conversations that have laughter last longer. If we share a bout of laughter, we feel bonded, we feel relaxed. It really is a booster to that internal motivation, like, yeah, this is wonderful, let's keep doing it. Play is a safe way to test the boundaries of a relationship, and that helps to build an incredibly tolerant society. In the wild, play makes all the difference. While chimps can be extremely aggressive towards each other, bonobos generally seem to get along. Well, I'm kind of obsessed these days. Um, but if you, if you didn't happen to hear what Isabel, that researcher, was saying, she was saying that laughter is a form of communication. 
And that when we laugh together, it is communicating to somebody else that we want that relationship to continue. Now, when we laugh together, it builds relationships because we're like, I like you. Let's continue this. And these, relation- these conversations usually go much longer than any other conversation. When we play with one another, we become better friends. Play gives us freedom to laugh. But laughter requires vulnerability. But when we're vulnerable, with our laughter, we begin to develop and discover this authentic self that then begins to trust other people. When we play, we have to put down these judgments of ourself, this fear of looking foolish, and embrace freedom and embrace joy. Because when we laugh and play together, we become closer as a community, and that friendship develops. And that's what discipleship looks like in context. The really cool thing about laughter is that passage in Zechariah, that word for play in Hebrew, also means laughter. So this picture of the kingdom of God is kids playing and laughing in the streets together. And then play, it also develops and grows the larger community, the local church. Play by nature is invitational. Who doesn't want to be invited to play? It's probably one of the easiest things to invite somebody to. Hey, come play this game with me. Come watch this game with me. Come play. And for us, as followers of Jesus, we are told to go into all nations and make disciples. We are told to welcome in the stranger, to show hospitality. All of these things can be done in play. And because what play does for us is it moves us from our self-centered person to other-focused. When I'm playing a game, I'm not just thinking about myself. Maybe I'm thinking about strategy, but probably teamwork or probably just being in that moment. I'm not thinking about myself, and that is a beautiful place to build new relationships. And then it moves even from there, and play actually is said to develop empathy especially empathy with strangers. See, when you guys are with a stranger, oftentimes you experience stress, trying to kind of like figure out like, oh, where do I fit with them? So then when you hear Jesus say like, welcome in the stranger, that probably just is like, okay, that equals stress. What stress does is it actually cancels out our empathy. But play cancels stress. So this university in Canada actually did an experiment proving this point. And they had people come in and put their hand in like an ice-cold bucket of water. And then they had to rate how much pain it was, like 1 to 10. So what they found is that when somebody came in to the experiment by themselves, their rating was exactly the same of pain as they did if they had a stranger come into the room and they both put their arms in the water. Okay, same Same pain level. However, if a person was in a room, put their arm in a bucket of water, and a friend came in and did the same thing, that person's pain level was higher. 
So those of you psych majors maybe have heard about this, and it's called emotional contagion, where we literally feel the pain of someone else. So then this experiment that these people did is that they took these two strangers that put their arms in the ice water, same pain, and they had them go play garage band together for 15 minutes. So they go play together and they come back, put their arms in the water, pain was higher. They were experiencing empathy towards this stranger through play. So what they ended up discovering was, yes, stress was caused by strangers, Stress canceled empathy, but play canceled stress, thus developing more empathetic people. And then it moves even farther from there, and we watch play be something that creates this ability for people to share, an abundance mentality. That when you're playing a game, you're not like trying to hoard all of the things, but like if I'm playing hide and seek, I'm not like, I don't, trying to hoard all the hiding places, just hiding, waiting for you to find me. So we function out of this abundance mentality. And those bonobos, they actually demonstrate that even, even more. That they are living right now in the Congo, and this is dark place. Just lots of bad things are happening. They're actually going extinct because people are poaching them. Yet, they share all of their things. Sounds like the church to me, early church. Uh, and so then the Isabel lady in that video decided to do an experiment and took one of the bonobos and put him in a room. And then put another stranger bonobo next to him in another room with a door closed and gave the one bonobo this treat of fruit. So the bonobo is eating the fruit and then it sees the stranger bonobo come up to the wall and could tell that it wants some. So the bonobo with the fruit unlocks the door welcomes his new friend in to share in the fruit. It is through play that we can develop our empathy and our ability to share. So what if we, as a church, are people who are inviting people into this? Do you invite people to play with you? Because they can see this picture of us. This kingdom picture of play. And they're attracted to it. And not just attracted to the fun and the joy that we are having, but to the relationships that are built, to the rejuvenation and the joy that we are experiencing, to the empathy that is developed. So when you play, this empathy towards the stranger is going to grow. And so when you see someone mourning, you're going to mourn with them. You're going to invite that stranger into your household. You're going to rejoice with the stranger because you are playing with them. When we play, this offers the world this picture of the kingdom a picture that is bigger than ourselves, a picture that is full of grace, and a place where people can safely test boundaries. So are you playing? Are you creating this contagion 
that we talked about with improv everywhere. Because when people see a story, when they see this joy, they are going to talk about it. They're going to tell a friend. Which just makes me think of the story of the, good, of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, that when she heard about Jesus, when she learned about him, she went and told people, and they said, hey, we want to know this guy because of the story that was told. That is what our play can do. And yes, we can play poorly. We can sin in our play. We can hoard it. We can refuse to be transformed. But when we are looking at Jesus, when we're looking at these children on how to play, we get to paint a beautiful picture of the kingdom. Throughout this sermon series, Jason has used this example of drawing close to the fire. So if it is empathy and community and joy that you are desiring, it is only by drawing close to Jesus that you will experience these things. Last Thursday, uh, I got the privilege of actually seeing this scripture take life. Um, Taylor and Emily, along with First Christian Church and the house community, uh, got to host a fall festival where members of the church, members of the house, UTC, and Brown Academy, the elementary school across the street, were all invited to participate. And my favorite memory was this picture of these two old ladies sitting on the brick wall of the patio, enjoying their sucker, with college students around them, chatting with them, while they are painting the faces of these Brown Academy kids. The old men and women sitting in streets. The children were playing together in the streets. Let us be people that do not just see play as exercise, laughter, and time with friends, but let us be people who see play as painting a picture of God's kingdom. So go and play, and play loudly. Amen.